Welcome to our community. This is Saratoga Best. We are learning Parsons by Life School. We're talking about in the, being independent. We're talking about the idea that when you illuminate somebody else or something else, your job in life, the job in the approach in this generation is to create independence in everyone and everything. Um, not dependence, but independence. And, and, and you see that change, um, well, okay, we were saying before we started this, what does it have to do with what's going on in the streets? Because everything is, is a part of it, and what's going on in the streets is always going to be the activation of the Parsha. Literally, it used to be literally today, and let's say for the past decade or so, when a Parsha comes in, Shabbos, um, Mincha time, it starts to activate in the world. In other years, hundreds of years ago, the Parsha would change, and you wouldn't see that it's happening in everyday life. Today, as the Parsha changes, you see um, everything changes in the world. The world is acting out the Parsha. And that's why we can say the... Um, I'm going to backtrack and say it like this. Uh, Early in the morning, I was writing an email to somebody in South Africa, and I said, wow, in one minute, in one day, it all changed. Here we were in this beautiful, quiet time. Some liked it, some didn't. When everybody everybody was doing Zoom calls with each other, it was cozy. Everybody was in their living room, one big living room. But as Hashem says, you know, means Hashem wants to feel like he's in his living room. The world became one big living room during quarantine. Everybody was in their home, their living room, their this, their that, their kitchen, and you saw where everybody was doing their Zoom call from. And it was very intimate. It was very cozy. We were all we were all in each other's kitchens. Let's say kitchen, because really kitchen is the place where, you know, the nurturing place. Everybody was in each other's kitchens from the biggest speaker. Okay, some of the speakers did, they have a study. But there were others, the biggest, biggest, fanciest speakers, you could see that they're sitting in their kitchen or whatever, or they're living, or they're dead. Okay, a few feet away from their kitchen. As opposed to in the big hall and in the big rented place and flying all over the world. And that was one thing. It was quiet. It was so quiet. All of those Parshias clearly were enabling the world to be in that quiet, cozy space. Now, there were other awful things going on at the same time. It wasn't, didn't feel always cozy. There was other stuff going on. But there was that thing about everybody being there. And then, boom, Matantaira. And overnight... This quiet world, all the big city centers you see on video, completely empty. Overnight, we receive the Tyra. The Tyra comes down from above. And overnight, the world turns into chaos. Just like that. So since as soon as we had Masa and Tyra, that was the energy of the week. That was the that was the part of that. So what's... That was the energy of Tyra. Matantaira, boom. Remember that at Matantaira, what happens is the mechita is, is pulled out between Elian and Tachlan, between upper and lower, between spiritual worlds and physical worlds. 
how do we know that there's a lot of massive activity going on, disorderly activity going on in the spiritual world? Because when the Mesita was pulled out, it rained down into the physical world and that we have a lot of chaos. Here, let's say it like this. We're not quite in the Parsha's Valaisa yet, yet, but this is building up to it. Up above, when, when Matantaira happened, up above we had the number 11, and below we had the number 10. What does that mean? What is the number 11? The number 11 denotes, it's called Antuchad Velobuchushvan, the essence of Hashem. That place that's so high, it's called, in, it's called Espiril Vizkalu Kol Nihon. It's called by the name Paro. That energy of the very essence of Hashem, the essence of truth, the essence of all things, is called by the name Paro. When Paro comes down into this world, when that energy comes down into this world through infinite, almost in, infinite, huge number of contractions, it manifests as Paro. Looks like evil, but tra- tracing back to its source, you're talking about the most unbelievable energy of the revelation, the wild revelation of light in a disorderly way, a chaotic revelation of unbelievable light, spiritual light, okay? That's denoted by the number 11 and also the fifth level to Paro, okay? So at Matan Taira, you had that, the essence of Hashem, the 11, the revelation of the wildest, most uh, disorderly, wild, intense light that's coming down spiritually, number 11. And number 10 is the order of the Ten Commandments, do this, don't do that. So that 11 into 10, that wild Taihu energy down into Tikkun, into this world, had a mechita between them. If you pull out the board, the mechita between the top and the bottom, everything that's up there is going to pour down here. So the fact that as soon as Mahatma happened and the mechita was pulled out between the upper world and the lower world, you had chaos immediately down here in the physical world, and we're still in it, means that there was the spiritual counterpart of chaos in the, in the spiritual world. Not a negative chaos, a positive chaos of the revelation of, of all the wildest, the most intense light in a disorderly way. How would it look if it's not in the holy version, down here in this world, the way our streets look now? Disorderly revelation but very powerful stuff. This is the way it looks when the world is not enough of a vessel for those intense disorderly revelations. Comes down, and this is the way it looks. Okay, so why am I saying this? So from that moment on, we had Nasa lifting up our heads, lifting us up, because really, you know, if you look at it also, we had some very strange things going on. We had... A lot of, sorry, this is fine. We had a whole role reversal with, I'm not big on the news. So we had a whole role reversal of one type of people bowing down physically, literally, to another type of people. 
saying we're so sorry, we mistreated you all these years and all this other stuff, etc. So you have this bowing down. You have this complete role reversal. I and mean, it's going on now, this whole role reversal of let's go on our knees and kiss boots and all this kind of crazy stuff to show we were wrong, you were right, you're our, you know, we bow down to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When is this happening? Parshish Nasa. Nasa's right. Lift up your head. Don't bow down. Don't bow down to the wrong. Don't bow down, bow down to another person. Lift up your head and stand in your full height and, and bow down only to Hashem, not to these other people. So that's Parshish Nasa. Then Parshish Balaisla comes along. And we're thrust into this energy of needing to make everybody and everything independently luminous. Everything. That is the only way in this generation that anybody can step into their, their, uh, their, their light. Because when you think about it, the kind of light, imagine that there's you. And surrounded by you is a circle of light that you can't see. You cannot see. Your job is to, right in front of you is a circle of light. It's your shlichus. It's amazingly luminous. And you cannot see it. But it's there for you. And your job is to step into it. But you don't see it, number one. Number two, you don't believe that you're worthy to step into it. But really, that is what you have to do. So, it's such a mega jump that it can't be done the ordinary way. I'm the expert. You're not the expert. I know. I tell you, you, you have to listen to what I say. That, that, that approach, which works in other generations, will not work to enable people to, to step into um, their shlichus, which is so big, they don't, they, their head isn't lifted high enough to Hashem, their hour, to really understand that that, that shlichus is yours. You're not that, you feel like you're not that big. And yet the shlichus, Hashem is saying, yes, you are. So in order to do that, you have to have a sense of independent life. You can't always be dependent on the one the, the one above you, the t- I don't mean Hashem, of course Hashem, on the teacher. You need to, it needs to be in a totally different way, that the teacher illuminates you, and then the teacher can walk away, and you become your own source of influence. So we were saying before that that applies to objects too. This is the basic idea. So if I'm going to, I'm going to say brachas in the morning, where should I put my siddur? before I go to sleep. Where should I put it? I should put it in the location that will make it do Baha'u'llah. Meaning, I should put it in the location that will call it, cause it to call out to me and say, come and say brachas. Not I have to remember to say brachas. My sitter will come and remind me. I took a sitter which I bought at the store, and no one ever davened from it, so it has holy letters, but, you know, there's an opinion, or maybe all opinions. What is Seamus? Seamus is something that is words of Torah that you've already learned. 
if there's a whole, let's say you photocopy the whole liner, but you never used it, you were going to, you were going to learn it, you never even got a chance to open it up, you're actually allowed to put it in a separate bag and throw it out. I know because I remember where I taught, they had two boxes, Seamus and not Seamus. I know that you're going to throw it with the eggshells, but two different boxes. The stuff, the, the, the photocopies of things that you've learned, that's Seamus. The photocopies of things that you haven't learned. If you haven't learned it, it has a totally different status. So it doesn't have to be buried. Once you learned it, it has to be buried. Once you read it. So you buy that sitter. It's just, it's a cover with, with words. And you start to dive in it. You give it a holiness that it didn't have before. Then you take it and you put it in. Now it has its own independent holiness. And now it's a, you're, you're inspiring the sitter. Now the sitter is going to start to inspire you. Like I have to go to an inside place where it's not so noisy. So now the sitter is going to start to inspire you. So you put it in such a location that it will call out to you and say, come say brachas now. It's called, you know what, in the world of, of, of motivation, it's called delegating. Why do I have to do everything myself? I'll delegate. This one, you know, I'll delegate for the, the job. This one will do this. This one do, will do that. Delegate. My sitter will, my sitter will tell me to say brachas. My pushka will tell me to give tzedakah. I, I'm giving out jobs. I don't have to have all the jobs. Decentralizing. Decentralizing. We said yesterday, I think, or the other day, the idea of, you know, people going on the internet and doing the work that their doctors don't have time to do and looking up, looking things up and hopefully finding a doctor who is willing to listen and, and, and saying, I think this needs to be the treatment. Can we try it? It could be for only, you know, positive things for uh, making people better and better. So it's called delegating. It's called decentralizing, giving out the jobs. Hashem is decentralizing all the jobs. It used to be he had to do it all. and He just told us what to do and we would do things, but he, he's running the show. But, but once the Rebbe said, excuse me, once the Rebbe said in the, in, 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 uh, Nissan, I'm giving it over to you, the job to bring Mashiach, it all became decentralized. That means we all become, we all now step into our full power of being pieces of Hashem that that illuminate the world in a way infinitely beyond what we could have done before. So we delegate all the jobs. Okay, you bring Kedusha here, you bring Kedusha there, and then as soon as something has Kedusha in it, 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 it inspires the next. So your sitter, your push to everything. Your cereal bowl. So maybe you buy a mug for your coffee. Maybe you drink coffee first thing every morning. What kind of a mug do you want to buy? You're going to give your mug a job. You're going to um, you're going to illuminate it so that it will illuminate you. So maybe um, you'll buy a mug that says, they, "Oh, who got one? I have one. They gave it. I remember from Ali Torres several years ago. It says, "Think good, it will be good." There you go. 
So what's the point of that? The point is you illuminate the mug with those words, and then you wake up in the morning and you're just, oh, boy, it's never going to work. Oh, oh, what am I going to do? I can't believe it. Just, oh. <laughs> and then you look at the mug, and the mug, the mug says to you, think good, it'll be good. So you illuminated the Somebody illuminated the mug. They paid money to put these words on. And then the mug comes back and illuminates you. You don't have to remember it, think good, it'll be good. Your mug will tell you. That's called, until the flame rises up by itself. That the flame, every flame that you light has to rise up by itself, including the mug. So, um, and I, I want to just read these words. And sorry, and so that means in everybody, everybody and everything that you inspire. Um, how you deal with yourself. And also how you deal with your, your own physicality. You know, that you get yourself to the point where, like I, I you know, I said, I, I got myself to a point only with potato conditions that I can look at one and feel tired. So I don't even need to bother eating it. I feel, I just feel drained by looking at a potato condition. All that white flour and potatoes. And I just, I get tired looking at the potato condition. Perfect. You, I mean, if you don't, feel that you should be eating potato knishes, you know, some people do, but if it's something you're allergic to, you want to infuse the, infuse it with an independence so you don't have to remember, you see that potato knish, don't eat it, and it's not, remember, your nutritionist said it's not for you, let your potato knish do the work, let it say to you, don't, no, no, I'm not for you, you know. You, you can read a story about potato conditions. You can draw a picture about the stage. You and me don't take a bite. It's not for you. No, no, no. I don't want you, I don't want you to take a bite. That, you can inspire your potato condition to do that job to you so that it inspires you to goodness, so to speak. Okay. So I want to read this part. Um, that's the Avaita Me'aleha, that this this, this illumination comes from within the thing itself, like with, from inside the potato knish. It comes from the potato knish itself, or it comes because you've made the potato knish so on target, or from the mug itself, or from the or the pushka itself, or the cigar itself, or the person themselves, or the student himself. It can come in one of two ways. One, even though mitzat atma, the physical body of a yid, does not shine near mitzvah b'tarar. Your physicality, your physical body was created to hide Hashem, to conceal Hashem. And and what do you have to do? You do You do everything you do, all your deeds you do for the sake of heaven, and you kind of like beat it out of its desire. You know, it wants to just eat, drink, and be merry, and you work on it for all the all your decades. Baruch Hashem, and you just keep pounding away at your physical body. You're doing all these different things and all the misses and all the way you have to, you know, in the olden days, they didn't, they, they held off eating breakfast for a certain amount of time. Now we on Daska have to eat breakfast as soon as possible. It's a different way. But you work on your physicality to kind of get it in the mood to want to shine godliness. Because it was, it was created 
to not shine godliness, to not shine Hashem, Hashem's light, to conceal it. Now, really, that's a tough job because your physical body has, has the essence of Hashem in it. So go figure out, you know, the essence of Hashem is the real thing. Go figure out how to hide that. Can you imagine? If somebody would have it, how to, have to create a system, it's like, um, I own IBM, and you walk, wherever IBM is, it's probably decentralized. So imagine there's a certain city, it's sure, I shows you how much I know, there's a certain place where you come to this IBM center, and it's buildings and buildings and buildings of IBM stuff. I'm sure it's wherever it is, somewhere in California. Go hide it. How are you going to hide it? It's a whole city. You know, it's a, it's buildings and buildings. How in the world are you going to hide something that's everywhere? So, Lahavil, if the essence of Hashem is in your physical body, how in the world are you going to hide it? That in itself tells us about the greatness of Hashem. Only Hashem could be, pull that one off, to hide his very essence, whereas when it's everywhere and very powerfully in your physical body. But he did it, and he does it. Amazing, however he does it. And then we have to now reverse the whole thing. Work and work and work and work and work to um, to reveal Hashem when he, when he's already hidden. How much work he put into hiding himself in us. And then we have to work with the physical body so that we reveal Hashem. Um, in a way that we we work over the body and get it used to a new kind of nature. Teva Shani, all the way to Teva Rishan. So that the physical body should want to do mitzvahs from within itself. Now remember, that's its original identity. But such a good job was done with it by Hashem himself, by God Almighty himself, to conceal himself that it doesn't want to. It, just leave me alone, I'm tired, I don't feel like getting up now to do this. Right? Everybody has that. Every, you know, oh, oh, please, so I have to eat another. Um, a, a good example is um, the Afikaiman, what they eat at the end of the Seder. It's so holy, it's so amazing. I wait a whole year for that Afikaiman. You have just one teaspoon of, one teaspoon of chicken soup too much before the Afikaiman. Oh boy, it's hard to swallow it. It just seems to take forever to just swallow this one kazayas because the, phys- the the body is saying, no, 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 I don't want it. Say, what are you kidding? This is the Afikaiman. You've got to eat it. And the and the stomach is saying, no, 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 no I, I don't want it. So we have to work on ourselves to get the body, not just the neshama. Of course your neshama says, oh, afikaiman, so holy, mega jump. You want to eat the afikaiman. Your neshama is saying this. Your soul is saying this. Your body is saying, all right, leave me alone, please. I'm tired. I can't deal with this. Our job is to work over the body so that the body says, I want it. So... um the thing is, though, when you're doing that, there's something superimposed on your on your nephias, on the on the on the body, because the physical body doesn't feel like doing that kind of work. And the proof is that it's called work. You've got, you know, how many months would it take for me to get myself used to waking up at 4 a.m. Let's say, you know, everybody says that the 
the people who are the most successful in life all get up at 4 a.m. By the time everybody else is at work at 8 a.m., they've they wrote, they wrote another chapter in their book. They, 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 all kinds of stuff. All those real, those really wealthy people, none of them sleep in. They're all up at 4 a.m. But, but it, it was work to get used to it. So, um, but when you keep on working on it, it becomes your nature. It gets easier and easier and easier. So, and besides which, your nature is connected with some kind of limitation. You have your limitations. You've got to like keep breaking that limitation. They're like, yeah, I love getting up at 4 a.m. Everybody likes being up, being up at 4 a.m. in the quiet time and doing things. But that moment when you open your eyes and your eyes want to close again, and, you're like, and the alarm clock goes, like, get up now to say to him, like, oh, no, there's a resistance. There's a resistance. So that resistance is what you're working on for days or weeks or months or years. So that whole advice is keep on practicing so you get past the resistance. That's one way. Let's suggest another way. The other way is totally different. The other way is through this that you reveal that the true existence, the true messiah of a, of a yid and also his physical body it's connection. It's connected with Hashem. Me, the words are the Matthias Amitis of the Yesh Nivra is the Matthias of the Yesh <coughs> Meaning what? <coughs> it means that. Wait, didn't we just say before the truth of your physical body is it has the essence of Hashem in it more than anything? Well, hey, well that's. Let, sorry, I'm going to go back and I'm going to give an example. Imagine there 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 are two people. One person um one person he really doesn't have money at all. He really he really, you know, he really doesn't have any money. And um you know, he has to bring him money and whatever, he has to work to earn money, etc. Let's say right so every day you get up and you have to work, so somebody else you do enough work, somebody else will give you money. But basically you and yourself you don't have money, but people say, okay, do this and this and this for me, eight hours a day, I'll give you money. That's one way. There's another person that you say to them, one second, doesn't your father own IBM? <laughs> or like, doesn't, wait, doesn't your, doesn't your father own Fortune Off? Yeah, well, I don't know if it still exists. Doesn't your father own Macy's? Yeah, I guess so. So, doesn't he have a lot of money? Yeah. Didn't he write, uh, you know, a li- didn't he write that actually a, a legal document that all his money actually belongs to you, is, you know, it's actually yours? Yeah. Okay. So, you don't, need, you don't need to get some, you don't need to keep on working and try to find a way to get money. Just, you have money, just reveal it. You have money, just reveal it. You don't have to keep going to somebody else for money. You have money. What you have to do is reveal it. So, what is that all about? So, that means if your very essence, the very essence of your body is the essence of Hashem, then 
you don't need to, then you just have to reveal who you really are. And then the Avaita of, of the Yid in Tarimitzvah is not something superimposed. The, the very first time, even, even the Avaita of practicing and practicing and practicing is still not as good as this. Because if your very existence is one with the Yesha Miti, all you have to do is reveal that. You don't have to go to the store, buy anything, work for it, nothing. It is there. You are it. So one way is, I'm not it, so I have to find out how to get it. The other one is, you are it. Reveal it. These are two different ways. Um, because with, you're, you're one with Hashem. You've got all the wealth, and you've got all the ability, you've got all the life, you've got all the godliness, you've got all of this. And so we could say, the Savior has to be in such a way that first, at the beginning of the Avaita, when the body is concealing the light of the Neshama, the Avaita has to be, first, you know, do it in a way of get yourself used to better habits through working over the body. And then you reveal the second one, that in your very body, you've got all the, you've got all the, the, the spiritual wealth to begin with. Just reveal it. Okay, so so this, this idea that there there are there are two ways. Um, one is you've got what you need inside completely. Your physical body, let's say, has everything that it needs. It it it, it has the essence of Hashem right inside. You don't have to go anywhere else. Well, what would I do to become luminous? Well, I don't know. Sorry, this was this was the concept that I. This is the way I learned it. The story of Purim, why was there resistance to Megillah's Esther? When Esther HaMalka suggested the Megillah, the uh, Chachamim were not very happy because they said, uh, where, did, where do you see Hashem in this? They were coming from a very male point of view. They were coming from the perspective, which is also a Torah truth perspective, that if you need light in the world, you have to take it from somewhere else. There is light up in the spiritual realm, then you have to bring it down into this world. It's up there, and you have to bring it down here. That's a very masculine concept, more classical concept, and it's true. And then there's a more, you know, Zah and Malchus. And then there's the feminine concept, the Malchus concept, Queen Esther, the feminine understanding of it, which is, you don't have to go anywhere else to get what you need. It's right here in you. It's right here in the world. You just have to reveal it. If you can see the two different energies. One is, I need something. We need spiritual light. So we have to go up there to the spiritual realms and bring it down. You know, fill up our knapsacks and bring it down to this world. And then there's the other concept. You don't have to go anywhere to get it. It's right inside this world and right inside you and right inside this situation. Situation, you need to reveal it. So when Esther and Malka came along with this concept, and they said, "Where do you see Hashem? In, what do you mean, Megillus Esther? Do you see Hashem in this in this story at all? We don't see Hashem. He's not in this story." And she said, "What do you mean?" They said, "Where do you see Hashem in this?" And she asked, "Where do you not see Hashem in this?" She was bringing out that feminine energy of Malchus, the queen, Malchus energy, which says. Hashem is embedded in every fiber of this story. 
which, by the way, relates to exactly what we're going through now. The, the, the impossibility of understanding how we said we went through that quiet time of quarantine and then chaos overnight, and it's all part of the same thing. That means that in, in, in that and in this, Hashem is embedded, the Gaul is embedded in this. Or do we, do we need Hashem to come and just fix the whole chaos in the streets because it's crazy? Or is Hashem embedded in the chaos that's going on in the streets? Not that Hashem approves of anything that an Avera is an Avera, and Hashem says, I do not approve. But deep within the, the fiber of the fabric of everything, deep, deep, deep inside, is Hashem somewhere there in this whole crazy scenario? Again, Hashem is not approving of stealing and, and, and looting and all of that, God forbid, but is Hashem not in the very fiber of everything? So, so that, that's the second way. We've got a physical body and we realize we don't need tools from the outside. Everything, the essence of Hashem is right in here. You don't need to, you don't need to work to train this piece of meat, you know, this animal that you have to do something that it doesn't want to do. In its deepest core, it wants to do this, it wants to do more than your Neshama wants to do. More than your Neshama wants you to wake up at 4 a.m. and, and, and say to Hillam, your actual physicality wants you to wake up at 4 a.m. and say to Hillam. More than your Neshama does. It's just that, it's, it's, it's so concealed in the, in, in your physical body that you, it's hard to believe that that's what it really wants. But it does. And our job is to do stuff to reveal its truth. So the same thing when we're working with people, remember that there's independent illumination in everything. And what we want to do is reveal Illuminate everybody and everything in such a way that it it steps into its full power. This is based on the idea that inside of everything is the light. But you have to know how to reveal it and, and get it out there onto the surface. So, be invited with other people and how you're dealing with the world. When you do a mitzvah with a physical thing in the world, that most of the mitzvahs are with the physical world, then you're purifying the physical world. Um, and um, and then you that physical thing, that physical thing, like a mezuzah, will actually inspire you. And the chiddush is that even though you would think the physical world is not holy, and you have to bring holiness into it, um, and you, you need Hashem. Why do you need Hashem? You even need Hashem to come along and make this horrid, awful world holy. Or you need Hashem to go, ding, touch the essence, essence point in the world, and all of a sudden, it just emerges as holy in a very short time. What's an example of that? It took some 3,000 years to build up the holiness and the Torah scholarship um, in Europe and Eretz Israel. And then, boom, everything, Rahman Islam is wiped out in the Holocaust. All of, all of that, gone. 
and everything transferred over to this this half of the globe, North America. And North America was a very barren place. Not a lot of Torah scholarship, definitely not a lot of um, revealing, not a lot of um, really really revealed. A very, they used to call it the Trace of Medina, the Trace land, because it was not a place that was friendly to Kedusha. So if it took 3,000 years on that half of the globe in Europe to build up so much scholarship, once, once the rebellion came here, my, Friedrich Rebbe came in 1940, the Rebbe came in 1941, how long would it take to catch up to the scholarship that was built up over 3,000 years on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean? Another 3,000 years, right? Took 50 years. So maybe we didn't catch up, I don't know, you know, in the amount of, we probably did, where we did, with the aid of technology to the amount of, of scholarship. But also the depth of scholarship is unparalleled. How do you do it in 50 years when it took 3,000 years the first time? Because if you touch the essence point, it just, boom, overnight. Overnight. Now, when we're thinking of overnight, what did we say before? Overnight, a quiet world turned chaotic overnight. And what happened between the day before and the day after? How the quiet world it was a quiet world on Thursday. And it and, and, and Friday Shabbos was already a chaotic world. Like that. Boom. What happened in between? That turned eight this was two weeks ago. Nice, quiet world. Everybody's at home. Everybody's quarantined. Everybody's in their living rooms. Everybody's zooming. What turned this quiet world? There was tremendous sadness with stuff. But what turned this quiet world overnight into a chaotic world? Overnight? Somebody must have touched the essence point, right? Must have done something. But it's changed so radically because we just said overnight. Who touched the essence point? We did. What did we do? We received the Torah. We didn't just receive the Torah. We received Torah Hadasha, the essence of Torah. We touched the essence point of Torah. At the moment, that, 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 that Friday, two weeks ago, we touched the, the essence point of Torah by receiving the Torah. It was not in Torah, and overnight, the world changed from one extreme to the other. Okay, so we're saying just like overnight, you have scholars, you have total proliferation for 3,000 years in Europe, and then it switches over to a, a wasteland to America, which is, was considered a wasteland, and overnight, boom. America becomes the center of Torah, not in 3,000 years, in 50 years, you know, over overnight. And we also understand that, you know, boom, uh, the Sri Degrad and the Rebbe came to America, boom, everything changed. So the same thing, overnight, from a quiet world to a chaotic world, overnight. What happened overnight? Boom. Shem gave us the Torah. We received Torah, touched the essence. Okay. 
which is a huge thing. So, um, so we want it, this is the power that we want it used to, that we touch the, touch something with our own holy power that we were given to by Hashem. We were given by Hashem this holy light. Right? And so then whatever we, we touch, wherever we go, somehow we infuse that, which might really mean that means, in a sense, maybe, I'm not sure. You go to buy an umbrella, somebody else goes to buy an umbrella. That umbrella has, you know, a, you, you know, again, it doesn't become a holy umbrella, but there's some unique connection with you and that umbrella. You come with your whole presence. You're a chela chela mamish, and you come and you choose that umbrella. There's something there. So you infuse everything with a certain luminousness. So from this we understand that the completion of this whole way, which is to illuminate the world, how much until the light rises up by itself, we want to do it in a way that everything that we illuminate, it has its own, being that everything has its own inner light, we ignite the inner light, not the outer light, the inner light. So it becomes, it has its own source of influence, its own source of light. That is achieved and takes through all the details of a person's life and all the details of the world from the highest thing to the lowest thing. Because the Avaita of Ne'alev, that it has to come from deep within, is the proof that this Avaita is true. Um, that it's not just coming from above, but that you, but it's coming from deep within you. Because otherwise, it's like you can have a student that uh, they're amazing, they're, they, they, they're so on target and they know so much and, and you just feel like they're, they're walk solid. But what happens when you walk away and you just leave them to, to their own devices for a couple of months? Do they get stronger or do they get weaker? So your ability, you want to touch that deep inner place in them so that your walking away will not be a disadvantage. It'll be an advantage because they now have their own inner light illuminated. That's the way we want to deal with every single person, every single thing. It's not a simple thing to do. That's why, by the way, so we said that before. What are they talking about on the street? We're not saying it's good. But they're saying, we don't want police. Okay. Yeah, well, how are we going to manage without police? But where is it coming from? Deep, 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 deep within. The, again, we can't manage in America without police. I mean, that's insane. But the deep inner, 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 inner instinct and inner message behind this is what? Why would I need a policeman? Because something about my instincts are not good. You can't lead me to my own devices. You can't. A policeman, if you see a policeman on the street, you know, like, like um, you know, they said in ancient days, they would go traveling. Avram Avinu went traveling from one country to, country to the other. And he could tell which place he wanted to settle in. In a way, imagine, there you are, you're traveling with Avram Avinu, you're going from one land to another. Now, in a way, so you see 
two different lands. One is the people are very, very good. It's an amazing place, and they're kind and good and all the things. But they have no policemen. Very strange. And then you go to another country. People are very good, but they have a lot of policemen around. They're very visible. But they're sick, and their presence is very visible. Which place would you want to settle in? Place with the policemen? Or place without the policemen? I would say, in a sense, you want to settle in the place without the policemen. Because the place with the policemen, they're good. But maybe that's only because the policemen are saying, you better be good or else. And if the policemen walk away for a minute, it's erupts into chaos. The place without the policemen, where are they getting their goodness from? Is it inspired from within? Are they so in touch with their inner goodness? Well, then I want to live with these people. That's Balai Sotomayor's Ajitay Shalhevatayimayalev. Hashem is saying we want to create a world now that we do. We are going to have a world that won't need policemen. Because, in other words, the, the message that they're saying is a good message. It's not time yet. They're saying if we had enough coaches and social workers, Yoatsin, that it could inspire the inner goodness and the inner holiness in, in every single individual in the world or in America, we wouldn't need policemen. And that's true. The question is if we have that quality of coaches and enough of them to inspire the inner goodness. But they're, they're, what they're asking for is a very Gauladic reality. It's just, again, they're not ready for it. But it's, a, it's the way it's going to be in your life Mashiach. Policemen mean that I have not, I'm not living according to my holy inner core. I'm, uh, I need somebody else to force me. The Yoas and the coaches, the Yoasim, they will get us to the point where we won't need policemen anymore. Our inner holiness will shine out. Why would anybody do anything wrong? I'm constantly being, my mashpia is constantly keeping me in, in, in touch with my inner core, which is incredibly luminous, because it's one with the essence of a shed. So this new approach of um, light the lamp, light the light, so that the flame rises up from within itself, is this project of bringing the entire world to be in touch with its inner core of light and that the entire world starts operating from that place of inner core of light. And then you don't need policemen. Policemen would be a total waste. What are they going to do all day? They have nothing to do. Everybody is, everybody's operating the inner light. You know, for instance, an example is, you know, can I you know you know these stories where they would say uh, they would criticize Yidden, um, but then they would say, okay, a few hundred years ago, go to any community, any Jewish community, on Pesach. Yeah, you want to say the Yidden care about this and this and this. Go to any Jewish community and try to bribe a Jew on Pesach to eat a piece of bread. You know, communities where people. You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. So 
So that would be ridiculous. Imagine, can I ignore it for us? Do we need policemen standing on the Evs? You know, three policemen on every block on Pesach, making sure that nobody's sneaking um, bread into their home. We don't set up policemen. That's not one of the things that we spend our money on, on Pesach, to make sure that we don't sneak bread into our homes. Nobody wants to sneak bread into their homes. We're operating from an inner place. We don't need policemen. If, imagine if we hired the policemen, like, hey guys, like, what are you doing here? They're like, we're making sure you bring bread into your homes. You don't bring bread into your homes. So we're like, you must be very bored. We've, we've had that. I remember we had some police presence on our block a number of years ago for whatever. And we said, you know, we felt bad for them because they had nothing to do all day. For instance, yeah, um, at the beginning of quarantine, because we have a show in our basement, so every day we would see for 15, 20 minutes every morning, we would have a police car in front of our, our, our house. And we said, what are they doing here? So my husband said, I think they're making sure that nobody comes into our show. Wait a minute, the rub said, no show. <laughs> We're not opening our show. Poor guys, poor policemen, you know, they could be taking care of important things. They don't need to waste their time sitting in front of our house making sure we don't open the door of our show. We're not opening the door of our show. Like, <laughs> nobody wants to come. Nobody, they're upset. Wait, what? We now have a, a, a different cut. We're not, we don't want people to come and they don't want to come. It's kind of ridiculous having the police sitting there making sure we don't do it. And after a while, they just stopped coming because they realized, you know, this is a boring job. They don't seem to want to. So that's the thing. That's the revolution. Illuminating the world on that deep inner level where why would we want to do the wrong thing? The right thing, the holy thing is so much more delicious. Why would we want to be involved in the wrong thing? Policemen are only there for people who didn't get there, don't have their inner core illuminated. So once we, that's why the crowds outside, the protesters are saying, no more policemen. Let's give us people to inspire us to goodness. It's a, it's an amazing message. It's just that not everybody's on, not everybody's in sync with that message among the, the, the rioters. But the essence message is good. The essence message is, guess what it is? What has the Parsha been all week? Beha'aloyscha. Light the lights in such a way that they become independently luminous from within and have no, so to speak, inspire people to such an extent that they no longer need policemen to keep them on track because they're in, they're illuminated from within and they would never do them the wrong thing. That is the halaifa. All this week, and all last week, you know, this is, this is what they're chanting. Lift up your head, Nasas Reish, to your full holy stature. And then once you've lifted up your head, bring the whole world to that level of inner light. So they're saying it on the streets. What the Parsha is saying is what they're saying on the streets. No more policemen. No more external motivation internal motivation, 
External motivation is a policeman says you better do it or else. Internal motivation is why would I want to do anything unholy? Holiness is so much more luminous and delicious. So the streets, even the 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 streets, the rioters, the this and that, and the parsha, everybody's in sync. Everything is all synced up. It's the same message. Hashem is sending us a message through the parsha, and He's sending us a message through the streets. They both sync up. And our job as Yidden is to really, you know, bring that into real time, into actual life, through inspiring the world with the message that they're they're saying that they don't even understand what they're saying. And where is it coming from? From Tyra. The whole world now, every week, is an expression of what the Parsha says. What's next week? Shlach? Wow. Imagine. Right? Every week. It's fascinating to watch. Anyway, but we want to... Suba Anir Venigla, we want it to be in a, in a very revealed way. Sorry, I'm going to finish this last part. Adirada. Through this, but the very, very lowest parts... Um, this this inspiration has to take through even the lowest parts of the world, that even the lowest aspects of the world should shine from within its themselves. And Adarabha, through this, that the lowest parts of the world are shining from within themselves, their godly light. That shows the completion and the truth of this of this way. Of that when you see what the lowest the lowest parts of, of the world are expressing the same message, then you know that this is the true message. As we know that when you lift up something, you lift it up from the very bottom, you lift it up completely. And therefore, it's understood why Balaikrata Neris is connected with Aaron Akayim. It says, be among the students of Aaron. Love the creations. Love peace. Love the creations and bring them close to Tara. Love the creations and bring them close to Tara. Aaron loved all the creation, those very far from Hashem's Torah, but all they had, Aaron loved those creations that were so far, they weren't exactly speaking holy words. Oh, their only Milo was they were created by God. He loved them. So this idea, Balaikas and there is for Aaron He's the one who says, love all creations, even the you know, the tough guys. Love all creations. Their only advantage is they were created by God. Love them. They will heal. Love them and they will... And okay, I'll have to make sure they don't... But treat them right and see their advance, their myla, and they will start to heal. There's, there's more to do than just loving them, but Show them that you value them in a in a healthy Torah way, not in a distorted, weird way, but in a healthy Torah way. Bring them close to Tyra. Bring the creations close to Tyra. That's the image. Value them as creations of Hashem and bring them close to Tyra. Bring the rioters and the protesters close to Tyra. He's saying that, Aaron Acclaim. Who is Aaron Acclaim? The one who lights the Menaira. When do we light the Menaira? It's this week's Parsha. And from this, 
as it's achieved by us, once the creations become in, luminous from within, then this kayak is brought into the world um, to illuminate it, illuminate every single part of the world. So, to sum up, now I understand what's going on in the streets. I mean, big shot, I like, oh, I understand. But we can see, maybe, that really it's not the most sophisticated approach to life of what's going on in the streets. Rioting is not a good thing, and it's not a it's not a sophisticated thing, and it's not a etc. Genteel, as educated thing, it's a fairly low activity, and looting is very low activity, and it's in a village, and stealing and, and pillaging and damaging etc. It's in a village, God forbid. But the point is, they're there, and we learned it a couple of days ago. The whole point of the war is to take the life of Taihu and grab them. Grab them and unite them with the life of sequence. Our job is to, that we see this happening on the world, in the world, the crowds are begging for Gaula on some level. They just don't have the, they don't have all the tools, and they're not there yet, but their instincts are being inspired by Hashem on some level, minus, you know, with, except that the Avera part has to go. The stealing and the pillaging has to go. But when we are inspiring the lowest, lowest, lowest aspect of the world and bringing it close to Tyra and inspiring it to be independently luminous from within, then you've conquered the whole world. And we'll end with this story. We've told it another time, and I don't remember the details well, but um, uh, uh, African-American kid, African-American kid who, uh, I think, many, many years ago, he beat up a, a, a kid very badly, and et cetera. So he really was very bad, et cetera. And uh, somehow um, there was this, um, with Dr. Laz, I think, there was this um, interracial kind of peace group going on or something like that. And this kid somehow, this kid was a juvenile criminal. And he somehow um, was part of this group. And I guess it was, I think it was Dr. Laz, who was coming to the Rebbe, and his non-Jewish partner who had all of these kind of very tough street kids uh, and he said, can I come to the Lubavitcher Rebbe for dollars with you, with, with you, Dr. Enum, rabbi? So the rabbi said, okay. He said, and the non-Jew said, okay, I want to bring some of the boys that I work with. Okay. And guess who shows up in the line? And it's this kid who, you know, beat up a kid very badly. And this kid is real juvenile delinquent. And, and wow, the feeling, oh my goodness, who did I bring to the Rebbe? But he went in front of the Rebbe and he came out shaking. He was really a criminal. He was a real juvenile, but he came out shaking. And he said, oh, that rabbi is so holy, referring to the Rebbe. And they, well, what's going on? He said, the rabbi said to me that I should become a doctor. That I should be a doctor, some other word, something like that, that, that 
I have the ability to reach out and heal people. I should become a doctor. Imagine, who's going to tell a juvenile delinquent you should become a doctor? The kid came out shaking. He couldn't believe that they ever said that to him. <laughs> no one ever said that. No one ever related to his inner light and his inner potential and inner goodness ever. Except for maybe when he was two, two days old, maybe. And so he was very moved by it, this juvenile delinquent. And he grew up and he, he got his GED. He decided to go back to school. Of course, he wasn't in school. He decided to get his GED. And then he worked and worked and worked. He got himself into medical school. And he became a doctor. And he had family and a practice and everything. He helps people and heals people. So this is that concept. From juvenile delinquents on the streets, wherever sees their inner light and illuminates their inner light. Says you need to be a healer, you need to this, you need to that, you need to this, etc., etc. Makes them independently. He's a doctor now. He doesn't. He, he's not out looting. He's a doctor. He has no desire to go and loot. He's here to heal people. That's what he wants to do. His inner goodness has been illuminated. The other stuff falls off. He's not interested. In and that's the whole concept of uh, from within, from the deep inner light. So he wrote them. We should have the true, may Allah, may Allah, until the, the flame rises up by itself, and we should find ourselves facing the Menorah, seeing the Menorah in the base of Middash with Arnakhain lighting it immediately now.